following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Last night, I went on Facebook in an attempt to outsource today's sermon illustration, right? And uh, I asked people this. I said, um, help me with this sermon illustration for tomorrow. Tell me about a time when you felt really out of place, a time when you looked around and realized, whoa, I do not belong here. The funnier, the better. Um, and I, this is very small print, and I have three pages of responses, <laughs> because apparently we are, uh, all of my friends are ex- exceedingly awkward people. Who've <laughs> um, I won't tell the one about the nude beach. Um, I'm going to skip the several uh, examples that involve bathrooms. This was the number one um, I don't belong here situation. You can guess what happened there. Um, many weddings. I had a friend who went to a wedding um, at a church that was having two weddings that day, and he didn't realize it, and he didn't know until the groom came in in full uh, military attire, <laughs> and he, his friend was not getting married to a military man, that he was in the wrong, wrong place at the wrong time. The right place at the wrong time, I should say. Um, somebody signed up for a math club, which is never a good idea. Uh, <laughs> Uh, one friend uh, got att- assigned by a social studies teacher to work on a political campaign of a candidate he did not support and had to go to these rallies and things. So that was a little weird. Here's, a, here's one friend. Uh, I went to... Church was another really awkward one, which is fitting. I went to an evening service at a church because I heard a special speaker was going to be there. He was, but it was his aunt's memorial service. And because of my need to lip-read, this friend happens to be deaf, I sat in front in front of even the family, out of place. Yeah. My dad, who does not use Facebook, but was apparently so captivated by this question when he read it on my mom's Facebook account, commented as my mom to tell me about the time that he went in South Carolina accidentally to a black barber shop. Now, my dad is white. Uh, and doesn't really have very much hair to begin with. Um, and so he waited in line, and uh, eventually the barber said, so, sir, what is, what is it that made you choose this barbershop today? <laughs> right? So my own version of this is uh, that I, I play in a Celtic rock band. Uh, this is not self-promotion, although we do have a new album coming out. Um, <laughs> and we play a lot of Celtic festivals, and I love Celtic festivals, but one time we got invited to a certain Celtic festival um, in western New York, that was really more like a renaissance fair than a Celtic festival. Um, I mean, people in weird costumes, people talking in exaggerated fake accents to each other, uh, people putting the letter E at the end of words where it doesn't belong, (laughs) Um, people fake hitting each other with fake swords and fake dying. Uh, You know, they were having a great time. And believe me, I promise you, I'm not saying that I'm cooler than you if you like Ren Fair stuff. But I really don't, and I looked around, and I I was just like, these are not my people. (laughs) Um, And they treated us great, but I felt very out of place. And um, for lots of people, you probably see where I'm going with this, visiting church is, is a very weird and awkward and disorienting experience. And there's nothing that makes you feel like, ooh, uh, am I in the right place right now? like going into a new church service. Now, I am a pastor. In some ways, uh, it is literally my job to go to church 
And I hate visiting churches that I've never been to. It's incredibly awkward for me. And um, I, I just, if you're a regular here, you kind of like are in the, in the flow and in the zone. But I know from talking to some of you that even those of you who managed to stick around somehow did not have a particularly good experience your first time. Um, and many of you did, and I'm thankful for that. It might be your first time today, and you're going, yep, this is pretty much what you're <laughs> Like, ah, this is weird. I don't think I belong here. Um, and as we approach the end of summer, I'm really sorry to tell you that what we are approaching is the end of summer, uh, and fall is on the way. For whatever reason, whether it's school schedules or people's vacations being over or any a number of other things, people tend to come to church again or for the first time ever toward the end of summer and the beginning of fall. And so, uh, that's why we had this series, uh, started this series on invitation and welcome. And last week, Colleen gave a great sermon about the invitation side of things, some of which I will reset in a little bit because I think it bears repeating. And today I want to talk about welcome because the, the truth is we are going to have, even if we don't uh, do Colleen's suggestions and don't invite our own friends to worship, there will be newcomers coming in to our worship services and into other things that we do as, as a church together in the next few weeks and couple of months. And I would go so far as to say that uh, if, if we want to be godly people, we need to be welcoming people who are strangers to us, right? I say wel- the title is Welcoming the Stranger because the, that, that word is used in Scripture. Um, I don't know how many people grew up in the 80s, but I grew up in the 80s and stranger danger was like a thing. You'd, strangers, you might as well have been saying, like, axe murderer, right? Strangers are bad people, right? Um, <clears throat> but really, the word just, just means somebody you don't know, right? And there will be people in the room who you don't know and who don't know you, and they're going to be trying to f- find their place in our little religious ren fair here, okay? And we need to be prepared to do everything we can to welcome them in a, in a godly way. All right, so that's what this is all about. Um, so we're going to turn to uh, one verse in the Bible today. Usually I don't like to preach from one verse, but I'm, for the most part I'm going to preach from just one verse in the Bible today. It's Deuteronomy 10.19. But as, uh, <clears throat> if you're looking that up, you can. You don't really need to today, though. Before we turn to Scripture, I want to ask a question. Uh, what are the stereotypes about the Bible that people who don't regularly read the Bible have about it? What, what, what do people say is true about the Bible? Shout it out. Contradictions, that's something that people talk about a lot. What else? It's too long. A lot of people who do read the Bible still say that. Irrelevant to today, that's another one. What's another one? <laughs> yes, like, like a lot of, uh, what do they call the, uh, the, the genealogies and the chronologies? Yes, begat, 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 boring. Mistranslated, sure. None of it, nobody's saying the one that I want you to say. You're not doing a very good job. What's that? It's a book of rules. <laughs> He was here in the early service. <laughs> and it, he said it in the first service, and he was the second person to answer. And I said, well, we can stop right now because you gave me the one I wanted you to give me. <clears throat> People think that the Bible is a book of rules. And there are a lot of rules in the Bible. Of course there are. And the hard thing about those, those rules many times is that there's, there's no rationale given. There's no reason for the rule. Right? It's just don't do this or do that. And you think yourself, why? What could the... And that's... Uh, even, even looking at it kind of from an a intellectual, historical, critical kind of perspective, you would think, I don't even know why that rule existed then, let alone whether it applies to me now, and if so, how? 
right? Even just thinking about how they would have heard the rule in their original context in the ancient Near East, you go, what? What is that rule about? I don't get it. However, there are other times when the rationale for the rule is given right with the rule, right with the commandment, you have the reason. The word because or for, such is the case with this rule. So let me show you what the rule is. It's a very simple rule. The rule, (coughs) excuse me, in Deuteronomy 10.19 is, you shall love the stranger. Can we do the churchy thing and say that all together? You shall love the stranger. Right, now, for those of us who are rule followers by, you know, by nature, how many rule followers in the room? I was a big-time rule follower when I was a kid. I'm trying to make up for it a little bit now in adulthood. Um, that might be all you need. Oh, it says love the stranger. The Bible says it. I believe it. That says it. That settles it. Show me a stranger. I want to love him. All right? But for others of us, we're like, hmm, okay, maybe. Tell me why. Particularly when it involves like adjusting something in our life, inviting some, something new into our world. We don't want that. Particularly, particularly when it involves inviting a new person into our world who's strange to us. We don't want that at all, right? You just watch the political news and you will see that this is a theme in our, in our world. We... So what is the reason that the Lord, through Moses, gives the people that they should love the stranger? You shall love the stranger, for you were strangers. Where were the people strangers? You were strangers in the land of Egypt. So if you don't know the, the history of the Israelites, um, very briefly, they were enslaved. They were captured and enslaved in the land of Egypt for hundreds of years. And Moses, God's chosen prophet at the time, uh, led them out of captivity in Egypt. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And here they are in the book of Deuteronomy on the brink of the promised land, the place that they were told they were going to get to go. And Moses is reiterating all of the laws and all of the rules and all the guidelines for how they should live when they go into this new place. Now in Egypt, the people were um, oppressed. They were not welcomed and they're going to transition now to a place where they are the ones who have the capacity or will have the capacity to be the oppressor. And God says to them through Moses, you shall love the stranger because you were a stranger. You know what it feels like to be hated by the people in your land. This is a very interesting rationale for a biblical rule. Um, it sort of like puts the whole family of God in their place and say, remember, this is your situation, so don't get too high and mighty. See, loving the stranger uh, for this reason, in this way, requires empathy. I don't think we, we really process empathy very, very well in the context of religious rules and commandments. We're either the type of people who are predisposed to follow them, or were the type of people who are predisposed to reject authority or question authority. And we don't really get to that point of wondering what, you know, what's, what's going on here? Why, what is the why here? Empathy, the ability to understand and even share in the feelings of somebody else is the key to obeying this command. It's right there in the, in the rule. Basically, treating 
other people the way you wish you could be treated. Which is the golden rule, right? Did you ever think that, about the fact that the golden rule requires empathy? It's obvious now that I think about it, but I never thought about that before. If you are a garbage person at following the golden rule, like most of us are, <laughs> try empathy. Try following it because you're actually thinking through, doing the work of processing how somebody else might be feeling right now. I guarantee you it will become easier than just trying to follow it because that's what you do or are supposed to do. And so I want you to think back to the, the idea of when you felt out of place. Right? Maybe you had your own story when I was telling you the stories that I got on Facebook. Um, Maybe you, uh, as a particularly concerned church, you have your own story of when you visited a church. Maybe it was this one and you felt like you were out of place. And I want you to practice empathy, thinking of the people who, who will be visiting Artisan Church in the next several weeks and how we might be able to improve the quality of their experience simply by remembering what it felt like to walk in for the first time ourselves. Right. So, Empathy is kind of this, uh, if you will, horizontal reason for loving the stranger. When I say horizontal, uh, I'm talking about the, the plane of human existence, right? From one human being to another. But there is, in this text, uh, a vertical reason given as well. And by vertical, this is oversimplification. God isn't in the sky. But uh, by vertical, I mean uh, a relationship between God and people, between ourselves and God, between God and, uh, and the whole of humankind. Um, <clears throat> And to explain this vertical reason, I have to make a brief confession to you, which is that I removed one word from Deuteronomy 10.19. Did any, any Bible nerds notice that I did that when you looked at the text? I told you not to look it up. That's probably why, isn't it? <laughs> I removed one word. Let me show you what it is. I quote the verse as, You shall love the stranger, for you were strangers. Right? What it really says is, You shall also love the stranger for you are strangers. Now, if it's not clear, also goes with you, not strangers, right? We don't need to do sentence diagramming, but it's not saying you shall love long walks on the beach and strangers <laughs> uh, also. It's saying you also shall love the stranger, as in somebody else already loves the stranger, and can we guess who the somebody else who loves the stranger might be? Well, it's God. Just a couple of verses earlier, and I'm going to truncate some of the phrases out of these verses for the sake of brevity, but here's what the text says right before the rule comes up. The Lord your God is the great God who loves the strangers, providing them with food and clothing. Now, brief disclaimer here. I'm going to stand in my disclaimer spot. This text is not first and foremost about welcoming people into a worship service. Okay, is that news to anybody? Welcoming the stranger in this text means a lot more, and it means um, embracing people who are in poverty or who are otherwise oppressed or uh, that kind of thing. That is the first meaning of this text. And I would be remiss if I didn't tell you I am aware of, of that fact. That's what the text is ultimately about. Now, I don't think it's out of bounds to interpret it the way I am interpreting it now, um, which is more generically about welcoming people uh, who are strangers and specifically about welcoming people in this place, our church, in the year 2016. But uh, it would be poor pastoral form not to at least admit that I know <laughs> what the first meaning of that text is. Does that make sense? I don't know. Sometimes I make too many disclaimers, but it's important to me that we interpret Scripture um, honestly and accurately as much as possible. So, Okay. <clears throat> 
So we have this horizontal uh, reasoning of empathy and this vertical reasoning of the fact that God loves the strangers and we want to be like God. And if you put these two things together, you get the cross. <laughs> um, uh, but what you get is Jesus because the incarnation is, is God doing this vertical movement, if you will. Again, an oversimplification, but coming to, to become a human being and live among us and to extend the, the, the love of God to who then was the fellow men and women of the human race for Jesus. Uh, and uh, if you want to go a little deeper with Jesus, you could go to Matthew 25 and see what he says about welcoming the stranger in that text, which is called uh, a teaser. I'm not going to do it right now, but you, I would recommend it. It's really, uh, it's quite startling if you've never read it. Matthew 25. All right. So let's talk about practicals, okay? Because uh, theoretical welcome the stranger is great, but if we don't think about how we're going to do it, um, there's probably, we're probably missing the most important step if we want to make, make this any different or make our, our community any different. So I want to reset briefly what Colleen's suggestions were last week for inviting people because I thought they were great suggestions. If you did not, if you weren't here last week when Colleen uh, preached her sermon on invitation, I strongly encourage you to go listen to it. You can get it on our podcast or you can just listen to it right on our website, artisanchurch.com. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Um, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I often wonder what it must be like to have a pastor who's an idiot. But <laughs> um, <clears throat> Colleen's sermon was really good. It's about the invitation side of this series, invitation and welcome. Here's the suggestions she made. If you're a little nervous about inviting people to church, which let's be honest, we're all a little bit nervous about that. It's normal to be a little nervous about that. The first thing she suggested we do is to think about what excites you about your faith or about your church and simply talk about the things that you are legitimately excited about with no strings attached and no like devious plan or any of that. Just talk about it because you are genuinely excited about it. Now, if you say, well, I don't know, I'm not excited about anything in Artisan right now, that's okay. Let me give you some things to be excited about. Um, our fall invitational series this year is one that we've done a few times over the life of our church. I love this series. It's one of my favorite things we've ever done. It's called Artisan Mixtape. And we are going to have uh, local professional musicians here in our sanctuary performing their music and or sitting in with our worship bands. And we're going to let the genre of music dictate the topic of the sermon for the day, rather than the sermon dictating the content of the music, which is what usually happens in churches, uh, even ours. Um, so, so far I have booked uh, one of the like original hip-hop artists from, from uh, the Bronx, Christian hip-hop artists, to come here uh, and perform uh, and preach uh, in one of the Sundays. We will do our Jazz Sunday again, where I talk about jazz improvisation as a metaphor for God's will, one of my favorite sermons ever to give. We will have, I can't, I can't say, I want to say the name of the band so bad right now, but I can't because it's not 100% confirmed, but I have a tentative yes from probably the hottest local band in Rochester right now. Who's, they're just blowing up, and they are amazing. If, if we can get them, I'm just going to be like... Basking in it. So, mixtape is coming up. This is a great series to invite your friends to because even if they're like, uh, church, ugh, it's really weird church, okay? <laughs> it's like it's totally different. And if, if your friends are music lovers, especially local scene, they're, they're going to love it. So, that's something you can invite them to. Um, how about Cider Days? Anybody know Cider Days? Artisan Woo for Cider Days? 
October 1st. Mark your calendars. You could talk to your friends about this awesome event at church where you go pick apples and then you like come back and you uh, press them into cider using a device that should probably be illegal because it's medieval in the way it mashes the apples. And then you have this unpasteurized cider, which should probably also be illegal because you could die if you drink it, but it's delicious. <laughs> and we're deep frying turkeys, which is a really, really risky thing to do. And... Um, Drinking the hard cider from last year's cider days and all the traditions that we have is artisan's best tradition. Put it on your calendars October 1st. You don't want to miss the happiest day of the year, do you? And you don't want your friends to miss the happiest day of the year either, do you? So you can just talk about it. It's exciting, right? Uh, and then if your friends are, are spiritually curious but are skeptical of worship services at churches, they could come to this new thing we're starting in the fall, which is probably the thing I am the most excited about a new spiritual formation gathering that's going to happen midweek called Studio, in which we will uh, go deeper in our study of Scripture, where we will practice new practices of prayer, and where we will uh, do all of those things in the, uh, with the expectation that it will launch us out into deeper service in our community. Scripture, prayer, and service, deep waters. That's the thematic thread for our coming ministry year, and we're going to have these events called Studio starting in the fall. So for spiritually curious friends, you can invite them to that. So Colleen's suggestion that you invite things, invite friends or just simply talk about stuff that you're excited about is a really good one. The second suggestion, and I think this one is fantastic too, is she suggested you practice inviting people to stuff that's not church. Because inviting people to church is, is a little intimidating. But could you invite somebody to brunch or to go for a walk if you know that they like to go for walks or to go to the dog park if they're dog people or to, uh, uh, I don't know, what are the things you like to do? Are there people in the room who you kind of know but don't really know? Could you invite them to go out to lunch with you afterwards if that's what you're planning to do after church today? Sure you could, and it would be amazing. And you'd get to flex that invitational muscle in a way that's really like lower stakes, if you know what I mean. So I thought that was a fantastic suggestion. Did anybody try that, by the way, last week? Did you invite anybody to brunch, like Colleen suggested? Oh, I'm going to tell her, you guys. Going to be very upset with you. <laughs> and then the last one is to partner with somebody else, right? Not in, the, not in an attempt to gang up on, on anybody, but simply because um, I think this is what, it's, what it boils down to. Uh, you, you're like, I don't want to invite somebody to church because they might think I'm weird. But if there's two of us, they probably won't think we're both weird, <laughs> right? So having a little bit of backup when you make an invitation to something is a, is a good idea. So that's the practical suggestions for invitation. And I really want to encourage you guys to be inviting people um, to uh, all kinds of things that our church does together. It doesn't have to be Sunday worship. Because um, right now, the truth is that they're, they're, the, the time is, is ripe, if you will. Like People are in the mood to, to go to church for the first time. I don't know why it is exactly, but I promise you it's true. So there are people, there are your, your friends, some of them, would absolutely come to church if you asked them to come in the next little while. Not all of them, but some of them. So to those excellent suggestions from Colleen, I want to add a few of my own, specifically about welcome, because even if you don't invite anybody to church, there will be people who are here for the first time, and we want them to be welcomed as strangers in our midst, right? Here's the first one. Be yourself. Now, I think I embarrassed somebody this morning uh, when I did this um, a little bit, but... The point is, not everybody is going to be really awesome at welcoming strangers. There's, there's, there are some people in our church, and one person in particular, who are really, really awesome at welcoming strangers into our midst. 
And when I, when I said that, everybody in the room just went, okay? Now, the problem with having a, a superstar in some way in your midst is that you feel like, I could never meet that expectation. I could never live up to that bar. But the truth is, you don't have to. You can be welcoming to people in your own way. As a matter of fact, if, if you're not a person who's a, like a natural extrovert, like, hey, tell me about yourself. I'd love to, you know, can we get coffee tomorrow? that kind of thing doesn't come naturally to you, to fake it would be really bad, right? It would be really bad, not just for you, but for the person you're talking to, okay? So be yourself and welcome people in the way that makes sense for you. So you don't feel like you have to be bouncy and outgoing if that's not you, who you are, but don't believe the lie that being less outgoing lets you off the hook for being welcoming. Does that make sense? Is that fair to say? Here's another one, and I want to be cautious how I say this, but how about smile, okay? Now listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about the, the women in the room know that if you walk down the street and you're not smiling, men will tell you you have to smile, right? And guys, if you don't know that that's a thing, it's definitely a thing. And that's not at all what I mean, okay? Also, what I don't mean is if you're going through a terrible time in your life and maybe you had a death in the family or something really hard at work, and you just can't make yourself happy, feel happy right now, you do not have to pretend to be happy in this place just because it's church. I know that's the expectation sometimes, but it's not the expectation here. If you are in lament, you can lament at Artisan. But if that's not the case, if it's just kind of like a normal time for you, smile at somebody you don't know. It's pretty easy to do. Smile, give a little wave maybe. Of course, they might come and talk to you if you do that, <laughs> which is what you're trying to avoid, perhaps. But honestly, um, if, you, if you walk into a new place and there's a bunch of people there and they won't even make eye contact with you or smile at you, you're never going to come back, are you? No. And uh, so just a smile, like a, a, just a little bit of a smile. Honestly, it makes a difference. It really, really does. Uh, if you are a very, very shy person and all of this seems... Um, unfair to you <laughs> that I would ask you to do it. I'm okay with that. But are there ways that you can make our space more welcoming to people without ever having to interact with them one-on-one? Yes, there are. You can help with cleanup. You can help with chair setup. We have this uh, chair ninja thing, which kind of uh, backfired this morning because we didn't take it down after the first service. But where we put the chairs in behind people as they come in, it makes them feel so much more welcome to be able to sit in the back row. And every person who comes in can sit in the back row at that time. <laughs> It's not going to be the back row in two minutes, but they're sat down by then. They don't care. It's a trick that we play on visitors. I'm sorry if you don't like that. Um, but you can do that, and they'll never even see you. I promise. It's the whole point. Um, we have really good coffee here. It comes from Fuego uh, Roasters right here in Rochester. Awesome coffee. Right now, we're short on people to make it. And I think we can all agree that coffee is a very welcoming thing, isn't it? Yeah. So if you could once a month come in a little bit early, make some coffee for the people in the kitchen, that's a way to be welcoming. And you don't, you don't have to really even like get out of your comfort zone if you're, if you're a shyer kind of person. Right? So um, <clears throat> uh, Seth isn't here. He's kind of overseeing that, by the way. So if, you, if that sparks an interest in you, please talk to me, and I will pass your name on to Seth. We'll get you in the rotation. And then lastly, I would say this. There are ways to make people feel welcome outside of the space. Welcoming people beyond our walls, right? Because church is about so much more 
than our little worship gatherings, our little, you know, churchy Ren Fair God parties, right? So one really great way that you can welcome the stranger outside of the walls that's coming up really soon is to sign up for a rotation to volunteer at RAIN, Rochester Area Interface Hospitality Network is an awesome uh, local nonprofit that helps families who are homeless find, uh, get back on their feet by providing them housing one week at a time in houses of worship around the community. And we are a partner congregation with RAIN, and uh, we partner with New Hope Free Methodist Church on Union Street, and their host week is coming up two weeks from today, and we need um, people from our church to volunteer to go to that church and help make the guests feel welcome during rain. So Melody is here today. Melody, give a, a little wave there. Melody will be outside the sanctuary following worship at the uh, air mattress there. There's an air mattress on the floor. Did you wonder why that was there on the way in? It's because that's what the guests sleep on when they stay in the houses of worship for rain. Uh, and so please talk to Melody if you're curious about that. If you've never done it before, we can pair you up with someone who has, and it's a little bit more comfortable that way uh, and keeps everybody kind of functioning on the right level. Uh, but many of you have done this before, and you just haven't signed up yet. And um, I don't want to say it's a competition, but I think New Hope might be, have a few more volunteers signed up for these, this rotation than we do right now. So you might want to sign up after the service. Okay. All right. So Melody will be there for that. So um, welcoming the stranger is something that has to go beyond our worship gatherings. Guys, if we were just talking about welcoming people here on Sundays, oh my, God does not need more spiritual navel gazers, Okay. I want to say this in closing. Some of you uh, feel very out of place in the world, maybe even in this place today, but just kind of in life. Maybe you're going through a season. Maybe you've always felt that way a little bit. You remember how I said the Israelites were oppressed in Egypt and that that oppression was a reason for for obeying the commandment to welcome the stranger? Well, tucked away at the end of Deuteronomy 10 is this beautiful statement about the type of redemption that happens to God's people, or that happened to God's people. He said, Your ancestors went down to Egypt, 70 persons, and now the Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in heaven. So if you are a person who feels like you're... (laughs) one of maybe 70 people in an entire country and you're so out of place and you feel like God has no place for you, be assured that God's table is big enough for you too and that God's family is blessed by your presence and multiplied by your presence. Now, it's not about making our church as numerous as the stars and winning the trophy for biggest church in Rochester. None of us has any interest in that. But what we do have an interest in is thriving as a community and being fruitful and coming together as God's family in this place. And if you feel like you don't fit in the world, please know God invites you to his table just as he invites the rest of us there. And we will do all that we can to make you feel that you're part of this community uh, because you're part of God's family, whether you're one of our church or not. And so I say to you, Jesus invites you to fellowship with him, to eat a meal with him, to come to his table. 
if you would sit down at the table and eat dinner with Jesus, the communion table is for you right now. If you're following him and seeking him and wanting to know him more and better, this is a sacrament which is available to you. We have an open table. So we'll sing a couple more songs together. And I invite you to come and receive the body and blood of Jesus. Take the bread, dip it in one of the cups, and remember his sacrifice for you. Remember his love for you. But most of all today, remember that he welcomes you to his father's family. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for the reminder that we have all been strangers. And we pray that we would have empathy for those in our midst who feel out of place. And that artisan would be a place where your love is made known and made real. Help us to be people who invite and people who welcome. And we pray now, even for for people who, who may come to visit us, that they would find not not something fun or cool or that we just really like, but that they would find your presence in this place because it's the right fit for them. We pray for uh, uh, those who are regulars here as those visitors come, that we would help them to understand that they are welcome, not to a particular congregation, although that's true, but to a celebration of God's love and into his family. May it be true for us. In Christ's name, amen. Our table is open. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.